So that was a great summary of the story, Numbers uh, 13 and 14. If you want to turn there, we're going to be just looking at a few things in this. Uh, but, but the basic idea, and, and this is going to be over the next couple of weeks, we're in the book of Numbers for three uh, Sundays, and then on the, the last Sunday of the month, we'll be looking at what does God call his people to be? And in 1 Peter, uh, it's pretty clear. God says, be holy for I am holy. And what we're going to see in the book of Numbers is people struggling with that and struggling to live into that because it is a struggle. <clears throat> and so this first one we're going to see is just the rebellion of, of Israel. God had said very clearly the, the land is going to be a gift to you. It is my gift to you. I, I promised it to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's, it's coming down. And, and this is my word to you, and this is my promise to you, and this is my plan for you. But the people didn't see it or they forgot that. And, and sometimes we forget that too. To, to take a look, uh, we're going to kind of jump, be jumping around a little bit. We're, we're looking really at Numbers 13 to 14, and, and I'm not going to read the whole, uh, the whole passage today, but just take a look at the first few verses. Numbers chapter 13. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one, a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them, men who were heads of the people of Israel. And, and so this isn't just a you know, random group of guys going to do this. This is specific people chosen from the leadership to go and kind of check this out. Now, if you look in Deuteronomy, because here in Numbers, it kind of sounds like God said, okay, go and spy out the land. You look in Deuteronomy, and Moses is retelling the story in chapter one, and, he's, and he says, you know, you, uh, you wanted to spy out the land to see first, and, and, and it comes out a little differently there that it was maybe the Israelites' idea, but, but God said, okay, go, go for it. And so they went to do this. And they spent 40 days. And after 40 days, they returned and they had this report. If we jump down uh, to 27, uh, chapter 13. We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and its fruit. However... The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The, Hipp the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted them before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone, the spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are of a great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim and they, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. 
And so what's happening in this, in this first little bit? They're, they're, they've gone to spy out the land. This, this God has said over and over again, if we go all the way back you know, into Genesis and Exodus, this is the land I'm leading you to. This is the land I'm giving you. This is the gift I have for you. I will drive out the people before you. You need not fear. Well, the people were living by sight, not by faith. And rebellion occurs when God's promises are forsaken. That's, that's our first point today. Rebellion occurs when God's promises are forsaken. God has clearly said, this is the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm giving it to you. This is my gift to you. And they were going by what they saw versus what God had said. And isn't that, you know, let's just go back to Genesis 3 again. Eve saw the fruit was good for food and good for knowledge. And this was, you know, for gaining wisdom and insights. She, she saw it. But what did God said? Not that one. And, and again, here we have, and this is kind of the pattern over and over, and it's a pattern of our lives too. We see what we want. We, we see what we think will be best in our lives, even when God says it's not the best. And it's not good for us. What they saw versus what God said, and the promises of God were forsaken. You see, obedience requires faith and a settled trust and confidence in what God has said. Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, without this deep-seated trust in what God has said, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But we can see all the enemies, right? You know, we, we, we struggle sometimes. I mean, you're, you're uh, going on a missions thing. You can't see the provision yet. <laughs> but you know God's called you into something. You know, when, when uh, and, and, and sometimes we like to do the same thing that the Israelites did. Let's Let's gather a whole bunch of people around. You know, Proverbs says, uh, in, in, you know, go get some counsel. You know, ask people about this. And, th and that's great as far as it goes. But sometimes you've got to remember that the majority doesn't necessarily rule. <laughs> you know, by the time we get into Exodus 14 here, you've got four guys against thousands. 600,000 men plus women and children plus, plus, plus. And you've got four guys saying, this was God's plan. And these were God's purposes. But the majority was saying, nope, we don't want to do that. And so it's really the promises of God that are being forsaken by the people here. They were walking by sight, not by faith. We saw the people, they were of great height. We, we saw all of these people and we know we can't defeat them. Well, great, because God said you weren't gonna have to, <laughs> right? He said, I'm gonna drive them out from before you and I'm gonna give you this land. So rebellion first occurs when God's promises are forsaken. Numbers 14, one to four. Then all the congregation raised up a loud cry and the people wept all night and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, 
Would that we have died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Second, rebellion occurs when God's plans are scorned. Why did the Lord bring us out of this land? Why did God bring us to this place in life? What am I doing here? <laughs> you ever wonder that? What am I doing here? How did it get to this point in life? Oh. But again, God had already told them. I'm bringing you out so that you will know me. You know, this, this isn't... This isn't happening when they hadn't experienced anything of God, right? This is the generation that saw the, the exodus, that saw the, 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 the plagues, that, that experienced the parting of the Red Sea, who've been eating manna every morning and quail in the evening and water from the rock and, and the fire and the smoke on the mountain and God's declaration of the Ten Commandments and the building of the tabernacle and the appearance of the glory of God in the tabernacle. And what, why did God bring us here? Maybe we should go back to Egypt and just forget that it all happened. And they eroded the faith of the community. You know, these 10 guys come back and they have this bad report and it erodes the faith of the entire community. They were rejecting God's redemption. They were forgetting the story that they were a part of. And they were rejecting God's provision of leadership in the midst of it. Rebellion occurs when God's promises are forsaken and when his plans are scorned. There's a saying, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. You know, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see this two more times. The next two weeks, this, this story just kind of recycles through the book of Numbers. But here are people that just say, we don't know what God, we, we, we don't know, uh, th there's no way that we can take this land. Yeah, yeah, God dealt with Egypt. Yeah, we crossed the Red Sea. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff. But pretty sure this is, this is beyond and again, they're just missing. They're missing the reality that God is walking with them, leading them, guiding them, speaking to them, and has provided leadership for them. They've forsaken his promises. They have scorned his plans. And ultimately, it comes down to this. They are rejecting God's authority. Rebellion occurs when the authority of God is rejected. Verses 5 to 10. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. You remember these spies are saying, the land will consume us. Here's Joshua and Caleb saying, we, it's bread for us, we're gonna eat it. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregations said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. So Joshua and Caleb, they have this God-focused response. It's God's gift to us and God will fight for us. Do not fear, do not rebel for the Lord is with us. And God's glory is visible and present and consistent. Rebellion occurs when God's promises are forsaken, his plans are scored, his authority is rejected. And what's the result of all of that? Here's another time where Israel could have experienced God working for them. They would experience the glory of God again as they had experienced him in Egypt. And over and over they would had experienced his saving grace for them. And here again is another step of faith, another challenge to face. And yet God said, I will be with you. I will go with you. I will be the one who is with you in it, even when you think it's impossible. Even when you see the challenges before you, know that I am with you. I do not forsake you and I will fight for you. Rebellion results in missing the miracle of God's promise and plan worked out in our lives. You know, I was thinking about this this morning and I thought, you know what, the interesting thing here too is that even though they reject this and at the end of the story, what happens? Because you've rejected my plan, because you have forsaken my promise and you are rejecting my authority, This whole generation will not enter the promised land. Your children will. The next 40 years, you're just gonna hang out in the desert waiting to die because that's what you wanted. God brought us out in the desert to die. Fine, have it your way. There comes a point in time where responding in obedience is too late. There comes a time when when God says, no, enough. Time's up. At the end of chapter 14, this wasn't in the notes, but the end of chapter 14, if you read right to the end of chapter 14, the people are like, oh no, God's judging us. Let's go and do it then. Let's go take the land. God, God said to do it. Let's go do it. And God's like, I'm not going with you now. The ark's staying here. My presence is staying here. Moses is staying here. And they go to try to do it and they get absolutely defeated. Because God had said, hey, time's up. The time for obedience was yesterday, not today. And there comes a point in time when your decision, you have to live with the consequences of your decisions. When you reject God's plan, when you scorn his promises, and when you reject his authority, you're going to have to live with the consequences of that. Yes, God forgives. Yes, God restores. 
Notice this, though. They have to live with the consequences of this. They're all going to die in the desert. But God does not abandon them. He doesn't leave them and go, Kate, that's it, I'm out. Find your own food. When Moses says in, in, the, in the Deuteronomy, he says, for 40 years you were in the desert and you ate the manna and you had the quail and your shoes didn't wear out and your clothes didn't wear out because I continued to be with you even though you rebelled, even though you walked away and even though I had to let you reap the consequences of your decision, I did not abandon you. And this is good news for rebellious people. And this is good news for those of you who are deeply mourning and praying for rebellious family members who aren't following God. See, for the next 40 years, Israel was going to be in a time of judgment, but God was with them in the midst of it the whole way. Sometimes God's presence is proven in his discipline. Hebrews chapter 12. His love for us, he disciplines us as his children, all to draw us back to himself. We're looking at this story in Numbers and we see rebellion because God's promises are forsaken, his plans are scorned, his authority is rejected. God's purposes for us are, are not to live like that. God's purposes were for this people to not spend 40 years in the wilderness. His purposes for them were to, to witness him delivering them into a land that he had prepared for them. To be with him. Again, it's, it's the, the relational thing with God and his people in a specific place. And from there, they would share with the entire world the goodness of God. but they continually rejected that. But Jesus Christ fulfills it all. Now Jesus faced his own time of testing in the wilderness and for 40 days he was tempted in the wilderness to forsake God's promises, scorn God's plan and reject God's authority on his life. If you are truly the son of God, make these stones bread. If God really loves you, throw yourself off the highest place of the temple because God said you won't even stub your toe. I'll give you everything. We can, we can cut out the cross. We can cut out the pain. We can cut out all of this, you know, wandering around in the wilderness, teaching people and not having a place to lay your head. Just worship me and I'll give you the, the, the rule. Of, you can have the earth. Just worship me. And Jesus said, nope. Not at all. I will accept the authority of my father. I will not scorn his plans and I will never forsake his promises. And in the garden of Gethsemane, hours before his crucifixion, Jesus would pray. This cup, Lord, take it from me, yet not what I want, but what you want fully surrendered to the plan, the promise, and the authority of God, his Father.
And he fulfills that for us. Because Jesus lived a life where he knew God's promises were certain, his plans were good, and his authority led to freedom for everyone. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So what are some ways that God has demonstrated his faithfulness in your life? Think about that in your head. What are some of the ways God has demonstrated faithfulness in your life? You know, if you haven't taken the time to sit down and, and journal or remember or reflect on the goodness of God, do, do that this week. Take some time this week to remember the faithfulness of God, that his promises are certain, that his plans are good, and that his authority over your life leads to your freedom. Because you know, often we, we're facing the giants. <laughs> in life and it's all we can see. And we need to remember the faithfulness and the goodness of our God who walks with us and who goes before us. And in our hearts, turn it in. What circumstances and in what areas of your life are you prone to rebellion against God? And how will you direct your heart towards humble submission to God instead? And, and I think, you know, as, as we look at these passages in, in Numbers, the, the question could be, what are, where are you discontent in God's provision? Is financial, relational, work, school, whatever, where, where are you finding discontent with what God has provided? And how are you looking for maybe the greener grass? You know, let's go back to Egypt. <laughs> so much better in slavery. Because we knew what to expect then. And you follow God, sometimes you don't know what to expect. And then our hands. They look at what Moses does again, and, and, and this, is, this is just wonderful. Now, how many times did God say, I'm just going to wipe them out and start over with you? And... and Moses is the one who intercedes. Like God says, okay, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> Let's start over. And Moses goes to his knees, falls on his face in the presence of God, and says, God, don't do this. Don't destroy your people. So for whom will you intercede and plead with that they will choose obedience instead of rebellion? For whom do you need to be like Moses and Aaron, face down in the presence of God in intercession? Or like Joshua and Caleb, just earnestly pleading. Don't fear, the Lord is with us. This is the message of hope for rebellious people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just this Simple, you know, well-known story that shows us that the heart of rebellion is a heart that just seeks, seeks its own way. 
and seeks maybe an easier path. But Lord, we, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not take the easy path. That you drank the cup of the Father's wrath for us. That you endured the cross. Well, following God isn't easy. It's not painless. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. The world hates me, it's going to hate you too. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And we live in this tension because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and our, the world around us and people in our family and our friends, they've never tasted your goodness and so they live for something so much less. And we see the destruction and we see the pain. And it grieves our hearts. And so Lord, I pray for those who are like Moses and Aaron right now for loved ones who are just face down in your presence pleading with you. That you would give them endurance in their pleading. That they would wrestle with you as Jacob wrestled and not let go. Lord, may we live lives of surrender to your goodness, to your plan, to your purposes, and to your authority. And Lord, may we find comfort. Comfort for our souls in a world so broken that we would remember your plans, your promises, and the fact that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are coming to make all things new. And this is our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll stand benediction this morning from Isaiah chapter 40. Often we think of Isaiah 40 at Advent and we think of it in relation to John the Baptist, but think of it in the bigger picture of the soon return of Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned, and she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Lord, thank you that you have spoken, that your word is true. Lord, may we just announce that in our lives and in our words and in our actions. Comfort one another with these words, all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Have a great week.